Well, I've never seen so many graduations in my life. There's preschool, pre preschool graduations. There's kindergarten graduations. There's fifth grade graduations. There's high school graduations. There's middle school graduations. There's high school graduations. There's potty training uh, graduations. Whoa! Hallelujah. You know, we only remember the things we celebrate. Turn to somebody and tell them we only remember the things that we celebrate. And we celebrate so many things. We celebrate Veterans Day and D-Day and Arbacist Day and Columbus's birthday and Martin Luther King's birthday and George Washington's birthday and Easter and Christmas and on and on and on and on. We celebrate. We celebrate it because... We want to remember. We want to remember the history. You know, the, the history of our country is told in the things that we celebrate. Those days that we've set aside to celebrate. We, we, uh, we celebrate those things and then we, we remember. And so we celebrate the things uh, so that we might remember them. And not that you need an excuse to have a party, because I know you and uh, know some of you or most of you and know where you've come from. And you are party animals. In a good sense, you're party animals. Turn to somebody and tell them, I'm a party animal. <laughs> and you don't need an excuse to celebrate, especially if it has something to do with a knife and fork and barbecue. You have no, you know, we just had a great celebration. We're going to have another celebration. And um, we just do it so well and we enjoy it. But uh, there's something that I want you to celebrate and learn to celebrate every single day of your life. Every time you get up in the morning, this is something that you need to celebrate, and that is the goodness of God. Hallelujah. Turn to tell them, somebody tell them, God's good. That's why the Bible and the scriptures is good news. It's not bad news. It's good news. Hallelujah. What's contained in those 66 books are good news. It's a history of good news to a nation and to a people and to individuals and uh, 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 promises of good news for me and you. God's got good things in store for each and every one of us. Tell somebody God's got good things in store for you. Even you. And, and you too. Good things. He's a good God. And we need to wake up every morning and celebrate the goodness of God. When you go over your life and think of the things, where you've been, what you've done, how you've done your best to go to hell and you're not there yet. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, the craziness, the crazy things you've done in your life and how God has protected you and God kept you and, and you're still alive today. You've got breath in your lungs and there's still a shout in your voice. Hallelujah, because God has kept you. He's been so good to you. He stood by you when you didn't even know he was standing by you. He was moving the chess pieces around in your behalf. Come on, somebody. Shout hallelujah with me. Hallelujah. You, you won even though you didn't know how to play the game. Because he's so good. He is a good God. And so I want you to celebrate God's goodness. And I'm going to give you permission to have a celebration of the goodness of God in your life. Not only what he's done, but what he's about to do. He's a covenant-keeping God from generation to generation, from day to day, from hour to hour. He's still there. We see the goodness of God in so many things that we just kind of take for granted. Our salvation. 
our health, our strengths, the fact that we can dream, the fact that he's so long-suffering, the mercy of God. Anybody here ever need a little mercy? Got it? Just the fact that God's been so merciful with us and so long-suffering. The fact that he just takes care of us on a daily basis, you know, it's that daily bread, it really does happen. How many have found out that God can take care of you well and has taken care of you? We see the goodness of God in his, in his abiding presence. He said, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. He said, if you make your bed in hell, I'll be there. And some of us had a hotel room in hell for a while. Hallelujah. It wasn't just a bed. It was a king-size bed. But even there, in the, even in your darkest hour, God was there. God was working in your behalf. He was talking to you. He was calling you. He was softening your heart. He was speaking things to you that at the time you didn't understand. He still gave you a dream and hope and thought that maybe things could get better. And so you continued to go on. That's all the goodness of God. Salvation and all of those wonderful things, his presence, his provision is all the goodness of God working in our life. And all has to come down that some one there's one thing, and that is the fact that our God is a good God. Turn to somebody, give him a high five, and tell him our God is a good God. Now, in the first service, I couldn't see that thing back there, that whatever that is. That's whatever that is, that's clock. I thought it was 20 minutes later than it was. So I gave up 20 minutes in the first service, and I'm going to take them back in the second service. No, I'm just kidding you. I'm thinking, it's at 1025. It was only 1005. That's what you get. Let me just read some scriptures to you. He loves righteousness and justice, the 33rd Psalm in verse 5. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. There's no shortage in God's goodness. Turn to somebody and tell them there's no shortage in God's goodness. God hasn't run out of goodness. The earth is full with the goodness of God. And if you'll just understand that God is good and God wants to be good and God's going to be good to you tomorrow and the rest of your life, you'll just bump into goodness. There's no shortage. You'll be swimming in it, diving in it, eating it, breathing it, walking in it, hallelujah, wearing it. You know what I mean? Because the earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. And even nature itself proclaims the Almighty. The earth is full. Turn to somebody and tell them the earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. And there's enough left for you. The psalmist said, don't remember my sins or my transgressions. According to your mercy, remember me. He said, because of your goodness, for your goodness sake. When I think of that scripture, I think of the prodigal son. When he came home from the pig pen, the father didn't remind him of all of the bad things and all of the awful things he had done. Didn't keep a record, you know, of all of the things, spent his money and 
on prostitutes and crazy living and took his inheritance. The father didn't remind him of that. The father just took him, dressed him up, get him a bath and threw a party for him. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. Because the father was a good God. God's not interested in everything you did yesterday. He's just concerned about what you're going to do today and what you're going to do tomorrow. As a matter of fact, if you take one step towards him, he'll run towards you, bring you home and throw a party. Because he's a good God. He's glad you've come home. He's glad that you've turned towards him. He's glad that you've cried out to God. He's glad that something on the inside of you said, God, I can't do it on my own and I've got to have you and I'm going to run back to my father's house. He's glad. Hallelujah. I want you to look at this. 27th Psalm, verse 13. I would have lost heart unless I believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Don't ever let go of it. Don't ever lose sight of it. Don't ever stop celebrating the fact that God wants to show you his goodness in this life. Not in the hereafter. You know, they used to sing the old songs, you know, over yonder. When we get over there, there won't be no crying. Baby going to have a brand new pair of shoes. When we get over there, I'm going to have enough rent money. When I get over there, if P&L won't be knocking at my door, when I get over there, there's going to be plenty to eat when I get over there. Hallelujah. I don't care. You ain't going to need shoes over there. Everywhere you walk is going to be gold. Come on, someone say amen with me. Hallelujah. I need to stop crying now. Oh, I wish somebody would say hallelujah. I need to stop crying now. I need some shoes right now. I need some FPL money right now. And he said, I would have fainted. The psalmist said, I would have given up if I hadn't believed that I would see the goodness of God in this life. There's something about when you begin to celebrate the goodness of God right now. When you live out your day, hallelujah, morning till night, talking about the goodness of God how far God has taken you and all that he's done in your life up until this point. There's something about it that gives you the strength to keep on going. To keep on moving. Not to give up. He said, I would have fainted unless I would have believed to see the goodness of God in this life. Don't you dare let go of this. And as to today on, you, I'm going to charge you Every single morning, I want you to get up and begin to celebrate the goodness of Almighty God. Come on, somebody say amen. Oh, go ahead and do it right now. Celebrate. Come on. Come on and let's party just a little bit. Hey, kick your foot up. All right, them sisters got it. <laughs> I 
I want to remind you of a story today that we find in the book of John. It's the first miracle that Jesus did. You know it, right? The turning of the water into wine in the book of John. John chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. You can put it up there as I'm talking. When something happens for the first time in Scripture, there are biblical principles that are revealed when it happens the first time. And oftentimes you see those principles carried forward. Jesus does a miracle, and I think it's very significant for our understanding. He does a miracle at a wedding. And how many of you know that we are the bride and he is the bridegroom? There's a wedding that he is anticipating happening, and that is to take his bride unto himself. Do you understand what I'm talking about? This is for the church. This is for those who are believers. We certainly are the bride, and he is the bridegroom. And so the first miracle happens at a wedding. Now, this is a wedding that Jesus, it must have been somebody that he knew because his mother was there. He was invited, and the disciples were also invited. So they're having this wedding. One of the things, as you read the scripture, you will find out that Jesus performed a miracle before his time. Unusual. There was something there that concerned Jesus so much that he was willing to do a miracle when it wasn't the time for him to do miracles. Something moved him. Something, I don't know if it, you know, just kind of had a little, you know, just got on his cell phone and called the father and said, look, I know it ain't my time, but I got to do this anyway. Has anybody gotten a call from me? And you don't, I don't know that you don't, I don't know you're calling me or I don't know. No, I don't know I'm calling you. Well, it's not my fault. Sometimes the devil gets in this thing. I call people and I don't know I'm calling them. Now, I want to tell you, I'm bad at that. But you know who the worst person in here is? Tucker. But I don't know. I don't know. You know, he talked. I don't know. He must have cleared it with the father because he said he didn't do anything unless the father tells him to do it. So who did that? Somebody you did it, didn't you? I can tell by this. Love you, Pastor. I don't know who that is. Shut, well, you shut it off, honey. Every time I do it, it bites me. So evidently, you know, he checked it out with the father. And the father said, yeah, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, it's not your time, but do it anyway. There was something that was so important to him that he was going to, you know, he got out of rhythm and did the miracle anyway. And you know the story. It gets kind of towards the end of the, the, end of the, uh, 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 the ceremony and the celebration. And they start to run out of wine. And I thought about that. I thought about this couple that must have been a friend of Jesus. He must have known who they were. and They were close to the family or even a family member. And, and so um, they start to run out of wine. 
Now, that was, uh, that was not a good thing. They had all these guests. They had all these. They were hosting these people. It was the celebration. And they began to run out of wine. And, and so, um, you know, I, you know, anybody here ever, ever feel like uh, uh, you should have? Anybody here ever have a should have? You know what I'm talking about? Should have? You should have, you could have, but you didn't. I should have. They should have known better. They should have calculated the crowd. They gave out the invitations. They, could. they should have known better. It was their fault that they were getting ready to run out of wine and they needed a miracle. I mean, that was an insult. To have these guests and not take care of them. To have run out of wine was a shameful thing. I mean, it was very, it's not like today, you know. I mean, you know, people, you go to someone's house, you barely get a drink of water. They can't wait for you to leave. But this was a different time, you know. Don't give him any water. He'll stick around. Wait until he gets good and dehydrated and we'll kick him out the door. But it was a shameful thing. But they should have. They, somebody should have. Someone should have taken care of this. Does anybody here have any should-haves? Maybe I should have stayed in school. Maybe I shouldn't have been such a rebel. Maybe I shouldn't try to smoke all the dope in town in one day. <laughs> Maybe I should have chosen different women, different girls, different men. Maybe I should have had different friends. Maybe I should have listened to my pastor. Maybe I should have listened to my parents. Maybe I should have started a business. Maybe I should have quit that job. Anybody have any should-haves? Now, there's a difference between a should-have and, and something that, you know, just the enemy tries to do in your life. Because when the devil is up to something in your life, you know God's going to rescue you. It's like, whoa, you're messing with the wrong man. I'm God. I'm God's man. I'm God's woman. So, devil, you messing with me, you're in trouble. God is going to take up my cause when the devil's trying to do something in my life. But when it's your fault, when you brought it upon yourself, when you didn't do what you were supposed to do, somehow we think that we have eliminated the fact that God is willing to take up our cause. You did it yourself, you knucklehead. You knew better. Uh, we started this construction thing and I felt like the Lord said, don't take your car there, but I like my car. I like my ride. I like it. I feel good in that Lexus. I never drove around in a $53,000 car. Now I didn't pay that for it, but that's what it, when it was bought, that's what they paid for it. I like it. It's shiny. The air blows cold. It is a, it, it is, it's a smooth ride. It's a ride. I find myself leaning a little bit while I'm driving that car. If you know what I mean. It's that kind of ride. It gets your eye when you see it coming. It's that color. It's got that, that something in it. So I like my ride. But I got this old truck. And I felt like the Lord said, take the truck. Don't take the ride. But not me. 
I got this old Ford truck. You can burn it. You can put no oil in it. You can run into it with a Mack truck. It keeps right on running. It keeps on ticking. He cannot bathe it for years. Put no water in the radiator. Don't put fuel in it. It just keeps going. It just keeps going. Bad to the bone. You can neglect it, misuse it, haul anything in it. It just keeps right on going. So I like the Lord said, don't take your car out there. Don't take your car. Take the truck. But it ain't quite the ride that the car is. So, you know, I take my car out there and I'm out there and somebody runs into it. Cost 1100 bucks to get it fixed. They put a big dent in the side of it and my baby's hurting bad because I'm stupid. And so I get it fixed. I get it home. It's shiny. It's back. My ride is back. I got it back. They tried to keep it, but they finally had to fix it and give it to me $1,100 later. And so I know I'm not supposed to take the ride there. I'm supposed to take the raggedy truck down there. And you know what I do? I take the ride. I get a nail in the tire, a brand new Michelin tire, the size of Gibraltar. It is huge, a great big nail. And then I don't realize that there's a nail in it and I drive the car and it ruins the tire. $217. I'm almost 1400 bucks out of pocket. Because I didn't listen. Now, I don't know if you've done some dumb things like that. Anybody here have done some dumb things like that? Lift your hand up. I know I'm talking to you. Don't be acting like you didn't hear me. Yeah, but you know, when we know it's our fault, we think, well, God, take up our cause. Somebody should have figured out they were going to need more wine. But I want to tell you something. Our God is such a good God. I said, our God is such a good God. I said, our God is such a good God. I said, our God is such a good God. Can I get a witness in the house? I said, our God is such a good God. Even though you blew it, even though you were a knucklehead, even though you didn't do what you were supposed to do, even though you brought the consequences on yourself, our God is still willing to come alongside and take up your cause. Come on, somebody shout hallelujah with me. That's how good he is. So for all of you shoulda, coulda, wouldas and didn't do it, it's not over. God will take up your cause. Don't you hang your head. Don't you settle for less. The God that I serve will come alongside and go ahead and do it anyway for you. I don't suggest you live your life unprepared and, and try to be the biggest knucklehead in the kingdom of God. But if you perhaps 
It's all right. Because he's a good God. Tell somebody because he's a good God. Tell somebody he's going to come through anyway because he's a good God. The other people that I see in this story are what I call the unseens, the servants. They're the unseens. They're the people without a voice. The unrecognized. I don't know if you've ever been to a celebration. You've ever been to a, you know, a big celebration, a big, you know, maybe a, a, a wedding. And, and, you know, you, you, know, you talk about, you talk about the, the gown. You talk about the flowers. You talk about, you know, the food, the chicken, the steak. The, you talk about, you know, all of that kind of stuff. It's very rare that you leave the wedding so impressed with the people who served you. You don't know their name. You don't know where they're from. I mean, you know exactly what you ate and how much you ate and how much it weighed. And everybody at the table knows how many rolls you ate. <laughs> and how much of that butter you sucked down. And, they, and the women, they know everything about the gown. How many beads and how it did this and it swung that way and neckline and all that kind of stuff. And everybody knows how handsome he looked and Shoes were shiny and how many, you know, what the flowers were like. But nobody really recognized what I would call the unseen. But something wonderful happens here with the unseen in the story. Remember, it's a first and it's the goodness of God to the unseen. You know what happened with the good? You know what happened with the unseen? The unseen saw something that nobody else saw. They witnessed the miracle. They are the ones that Jesus said, go fill those pots up with water. And they filled the pots up with water and water went in, but wine came out. I said, water went in, but wine came out. I could preach. I said, water went in, but wine came out. Hallelujah. I said, water went in, but wine came out. Wine came out, wine came out, wine came out. Wine came out, and not even the master of ceremonies could understand where the wine came from. They were, he was like, woo. Hey, where'd you get this wine? He said, look, everybody takes the best wine and serves it first and then gives the watered down stuff at the end. Because everybody's drunk from the wine at first. They don't realize they got watered down wine. But you saved the best for last. Nobody saw the miracles except the unseen. Those unrecognized. Those who didn't have a title. Those who were not in the wedding party. The unseen. The unseen saw the miracle. And the unseen, for the first time, understood who Jesus really was. He was not just a, ge a guest at a wedding. He was the king of glory. Come on, put your hands together and give the Lord some praise. And you might be one of those unseens. It embarrassed me when people come up here and thank the miners. Look, we, don't, we, we really don't know what we're doing. 
but we know who we're doing it for. People tell me, oh, you had such a dream and such a vision. My life was put together here. And I appreciate that. I appreciate the fact that you appreciate it. But there have been times I've been lost as a bat at noonday. <laughs> not knowing where I was going and what next step I was supposed to take. But oh, the goodness of Almighty God. Come on, say hallelujah with me. And I guess maybe when you get this much gray on your head, people begin to think you're wise whether you are or not. And I'm satisfied. I'm, I'm satisfied. I'm satisfied where I'm at. And I'm satisfied with where we are as a people. I'm satisfied, satisfied with what God is doing. But the unseen. You might be one of the unseens. You know, I know we have Gonzaleses and Walkers and Rodriguez's. Nobody says, I thank the Rodriguez family or the Gonzaleses or the Walkers. Nobody says that. No one says that. They always say, well, I thank the miners. But there's a lot of unseen people in this place. And Harvest wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the unseen. It wouldn't be here. Yeah, go ahead and give yourself a hand. We wouldn't be touching this community and watching it transformed if it wasn't for the unseen, if it wasn't for the faithful, if it wasn't for you, those you have prayed, those you have given, those of you that have sowed your life into this place. You've taken your dreams and taken your energies and you decided to spend it all at the harvest for the sake of the kingdom and what God is doing here in this place. And I'm here to tell you, you're not going to go unrewarded. Oh, I feel like preaching. You're not going to go unrecognized. As a matter of fact, you're going to be recognized by the king of glory and you're going to get a glimpse of him that nobody else has seen. And you're going to be able to see the miracle first. Somebody say hallelujah with me this morning. You're not going to go unrecognized and you're going to see the king of glory and you will see the miracle for yourself. The other thing that comes to me is the, of those who are obedient. The should of the couldas, the unseen, and the, those who are obedient. It was the obedient that not only saw the miracle, but they also got to participate in it. They had hands on. Simple Daily discipline of obedience leads to great things. Write it down. If you don't have anything to write it on, write it on your hand. If your hand is missing, write it on the person next to you. A simple daily discipline of obedience leads to greatness. If you are walking in simple, simple obedience, you have just as much right as anybody else to have a hands-on experience with seeing miracles take place in the world around you. It's not just for somebody else. It's for you. The obedient, not only did they witness the miracle, but they saw the miracle happen through their hands. They did what Jesus told them to do. They poured the water from one place to the other. 
And now they walked away thinking, whoa, we are miracle workers. The obedient get to participate because of the goodness of God. The should of the waters get their need met anyway because of God's goodness. The no see, the no seems, isn't that a bug? The unseen get to see who he is because of the goodness of God. But you know what puzzles me about this story? And I think the, the answer is simple, and I'm going to close with this. Why did Jesus, why was he so willing to do a miracle even though it wasn't his time? This is just a simple explanation. This couple that was being married, evidently he knew them. He was invited. His family knew them. His disciples were invited. I think that Jesus was so concerned. This is how good God is. He was so concerned that they would be shamed because they ran out of wine. He was so concerned about that day being the greatest day they ever had and not being put to shame because they ran out of wine. It was enough. They you say, what's the big deal? They're running out of wine. They're all drunk anyway. What's the big deal? They're running out of wine. Now, don't any of you try this at home, okay? You can pour all the water you want, and you ain't getting no wine out of it. He was so moved and so concerned because he didn't want this couple to be embarrassed. That's how good our God is. The psalmist said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or a seed out begging bread. And the faith that we have in the Almighty will not put you ashamed. If you trust God. I'm reminded of this story that I heard. A doctor lady, a very good doctor, decided to go to Mozambique and join Heidi. And she didn't go there as a doctor. She went there to serve. One day they're getting ready to go to a village. It's around Christmas time. And she was involved in packing the bags for the trip, giveaway gifts. In the bags, they had stuffed animals and they had dogs and the little doggies, and not real dogs, little doggies and stuffed animals and bunnies and, and baby dolls and all that kind of stuff. And that's the only thing they had to give away to this village. And so they arrived with a truckload of stuffed animals and baby dolls and all of that. And this doctor was the woman who actually packed the bags. And so they get there, and the kids come running out and calling Heidi, Mama Ida. And they say, Mama Ida, Mama Ida. And they said, yes, do you have gifts for us? She said, yes. And they said, well, we want beads. And so Heidi goes to the doctor and says to her, the children want beads. 
If you know Heidi, she has a way. And the doctor said, there are no beads. She said, there's only stuffed animals. She said, but the babies want beads. And she said, I know, Heidi, I don't know what we're going to do. There are no beads. It's all stuffed animals. So Heidi said, well, just reach in one of the bags and see. And so the lady reaches into the bag, and there are no stuffed animals, but she brings out a hand full of beads. And she goes to the next bag, expecting to have some stuffed animals and little doggies and little people. And she reaches in there, and guess what? She brings out another handful of beads. In that moment, as the servant of the Lord, not a doctor, she got to participate in a miracle and touch the heart of those babies who beads were the only thing that would make them happy. And Heidi was not put to shame because she had no beads for the baby. Now, why would God do that? Because he is a good God. Come on and give him some praise with me. And he wants to be good to you. This is not just for Heidi. For you. For you. For the obedient. For the unseen. For the should-haves. He wants to be good to you. And surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. All you got to do is turn around and you'll see goodness coming your way. Come on, somebody, say hallelujah. How hard is it to do this? I want you to be encouraged. I don't care where you've been, what you've done, who you've done it with, or how many times you've done it. I don't care how many dumb mistakes you've made. I don't care who's recognized you and who hasn't recognized you. We serve a good God. I want you to do one thing every single day. Even before you take your vitamins or drink that cup of coffee that some of you have to have. We have a sign in our house, I drink coffee for your protection. <laughs> and you don't know how true it is, honey. I'm a yapper in the morning. I'm a yapper all day long. I get up in the morning and I'm a yapping. I'm yapping about this and I'm yapping about that and I'm yapping about this and I'm yapping about that. And Sister Peggs is not a yapper. She has to have that one cup of coffee, maybe two. So she drinks coffee for my protection. <laughs> but even before you get to that first cup of coffee, maybe while it's, you know, still brewing, begin to celebrate the goodness of Almighty God. 
Begin to think about how far he's brought you. And how many times the storms begin to rage in your life. And he stood up in the middle of it. And he spoke to that storm. Begin to think about the times you thought that your life was coming to an end. Or whatever was going to happen. And God intervened. God made himself known. God took of your cause. Celebrate the goodness of our God.